0: Hey, guys, I'm Carly Zakin. And I'm Danielle Weisberg, and we are the co-founders and co-CEOs of The Skim. On our podcast, Skim from
1: the Couch, we talk to the women we look up to about the realities of getting to the top. And their advice
0: is what helped us grow The Skim from a company of two to a much larger company. But we started here on a couch, and now we want to talk to you about the things that have helped us build a company and answer any questions you guys have about how to build your own careers. This week on The Couch,
1: Sarah Blakely talked about how she took an idea and made it into the business we know it as today and probably are wearing it. With Spanx, you know, I've been very clear from the very beginning of why I was doing it. I started out wanting to create one undergarment to solve my problem and figured there were a lot of other women that had white pants that they didn't want to show a panty line Mm -hmm. and there was not the right undergarment. But then standing on the manufacturing floor and talking to these men that were making our undergarments, it became so clear to me that there weren't people making it with the lens of how do these women feel. So we wanted to take your questions about how to make your side hustle into something bigger. Welcome to Founder Chat. Hey, so my name is Jill. I'm from Charlotte, North Carolina, and I'm wondering how do you raise the capital or have the money to start your own business? I am interested in starting my own company and I'm wondering how you go about having any money. Um, I'm 23 years
0: old and I don't
1: have any money. So all of everything that goes into money and backing your idea, how do you get that? Other than, I mean, typical investors, I understand that idea, but how do you go about finding people to pitch your idea to
0: and, I hope that you answer the question. Thanks, bye. Hey, Jill, thanks for calling. Um, So first of all, congratulations. Starting a business is really scary. We remember very, very well what it was like to be in our 20s and have $0. I think that the hard thing about starting a company is that there's no necessarily right path for everyone when it comes to raising money. But I think the most important thing to start is to network. It's to meet people in your community who have started small businesses before. Um, When we started, we talked to accountants. We talked to real estate people. Um, We would do random calls with just anyone who had started their own thing. And then you start to realize there are so many different ways that they got funded. Is it crowdfunding? Is it that they started something with a bunch of their friends and they each put money aside for their savings? Obviously, for some people we knew, they went the venture route. Um, Other people didn't take on money and and kept it as a side hustle for years and years and years. And again, that totally depends on your situation. I think the best thing to do is to ask those people and meet them and talk about those options um, in your community because I think that local support will really help. I think it's now good to talk about our story and how we did this
1: because, Jill, we sounded um, a lot like you did, which is like we really were starting from kind of square one and had the same questions that you did. So, the very first thing that we did, and probably the very first mistake that we made, was when people, when we launched the scam, people immediately started asking us, Are you raising money? And we said, Yeah. Because we didn't really know. I mean, sure, we would have taken in money. Like, we didn't know any better. And what we quickly realized was that raising money is a little bit like trying to find um, a significant other. You never say you're looking for a boyfriend, even if you want one. Uh, And so when you never really say you're looking for funding, even if you are actually looking for funding. So we inadvertently, in the beginning stages of the skim, told everyone and their mother that we were looking to raise money. And we kept telling everyone and their mother that for a year and a half. So people, we started really building kind of a reputation that, oh, wow, those two girls, they can't raise any money. Now we couldn't raise money early on and we'll talk about that but i would <laughs> I mean, say in our defense we weren't raising as much as uh, for as long as we got the reputation that we I were i
0: also remember when we first heard that and we were so confused cuz we were like how could we be raising money no one's ever given us money like we just didn't understand we were like of course we're talking to people about bringing in money that's our job we need to get the company funded and i think that's where you know one of our strengths We've had to learn a lot. The one thing that I always say is that we were really good storytellers, and we understood branding and marketing and a PR story. And this is one we did not consider.
1: So I think the next thing that sort of happened to us, and um, this is my favorite story about Danielle, was we were asked at what valuation were we raising money. So something to kind of know about the marketplace is that uh, valuations are completely made up they mean nothing. Your company is only worth as much as someone is willing to pay for it. And so when markets are doing well, maybe you'll 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 read about those crazy headlines of a company having, you know, a billion dollar valuation, a 500 million dollar valuation. What's important to note is that that really means absolutely nothing unless that company is sold for that amount. One of our first, first meetings, we met an investor in the lobby of the W Hotel in New York City. And we were sitting there. And it was really our first kind of live meeting with an investor. And he said, what's your valuation? What are you raising on? And I froze like a deer in headlights. And thankfully, I had a business partner who, Danielle, decided to put up her hand in silence and put up her hand with all five fingers up. And so the man goes, oh, you're, you're raising at five. And Danielle said, yes. And I am looking at her, and I'm like, what the F did you just agree to? Because we didn't know what was valuation. We've never even heard that term before, which is sort of funny to kind of laugh about today. But truly, like, we were liberal arts students who worked in editorial. We had no reason to know about these kind of terms. We didn't know. We just said that our company was worth $5, $500, or $5 million. What we had agreed to was saying that our company was worth $5 million, which was very funny because it was the two of us who had nothing but a few newsletters emailed out. So uh, it was very nice of us to think that about ourselves. But that was sort of the beginning of um, throwing us in the mix and kind of learning trial by fire. The next thing that sort of happened over kind of the next year or so is that we made a list of every company that we admired. And that we thought people who would like this company might also like the skim, and so then we kind of did our, our homework and figured out who were the investors in those companies, and we we made a list and, and tried everything we could to reach out to those people. One of those people was Bob Pittman, who is now the head of um, iHeart, and prior to that as kind of a legacy in his own right at MTV and AOL and kind of a media legend, especially in New York. And Bob Pittman, we literally stalked for 367
0: days. Danielle, do you want to tell this story? Yes. so we stalked him forever, and we tried all of these ways of getting to him. Um, We tried people that had worked at companies he had invested in. We had tried, um, like, friends of friends that kind of knew him, and we would send emails, and he would respond. And people would forward us the responses that were like, "Uh, no, I'm not interested. And then, you know, we would obviously take the email that was on the forward and email him directly. And the response would be like, you know, I'm traveling. And we'd be like, oh, that's so funny. Like, where are you traveling to? And he would be, you know, in some great destination somewhere in the world. And we would be like, oh, you know, we're going to be there too. It's such a small world. And then the email thread would end. Um, And we definitely weren't. Traveling anywhere at that time, um, and then we were like, "Do we have enough miles to like book a ticket?" And how do we figure out where he's staying? Um, so eventually, in the the first year of our company, we go to this event and we met someone who just loved the idea of the skim. And we were probably about like six or seven months in at that point. And she, we're sitting next to her to dinner, and she totally just got it. And she was like, you know, I really want to introduce you to someone. Do you know of Bob Pittman? We were like, oh, funny story. We've been stalking him. Uh, we would love to meet him. We we really want him to invest, but he's not into it. And she was like, I send me a pitch deck, uh, and I will get it to him. And she did. And we had a meeting. We had, I think, about like a half-hour block and I think we had fifteen minutes. I know. I was <laughs> going to say we had a half-hour block, and we got there really early. And we had we sat down, and I think we had fifteen minutes. And uh, he wrote us a check right there, and and that was really an amazing story. And I think what I love about it is that we didn't have. We spent a year stalking him, and we got the meeting, and we had no time, and that meant we had to have a really concise story and pitch. And now looking back, I'm like, I don't even know what we said. Um, But I think the enthusiasm and passion is what counts when you're an entrepreneur that doesn't have anything because people at that stage want to know that you're going to be in. Like come hell or high water, you believe in this idea more than anything else and the financials are a backup to that. Um, So I think going back to, to your story and how to start fundraising, just make sure this is something that you absolutely love and you will figure out a way for it to be successful. And that is, I think, key in getting people at least to start thinking about funding your company.
1: Yeah, and I think the the thing that we didn't realize at the time, especially now looking back, is that, to your point, people invest in early-stage companies, they invest in the founders. Like, it is a, do we think that you guys have what it takes? Are you all in? And do we think that no matter what you do, you could take it all the way? And um, it really, I think we didn't realize how much it really wasn't about our our idea or how much it wasn't about the business model that we put together that was basically made up of made-up assumptions. So I think, Jill, and for other people like Jill who have those questions, make sure that you are showing full 150% commitment to whatever it is that you're passionate about because people are going to invest in you. And... Um, That that has to come first. And I think then, you know, when I look back at our path, what ended up happening was we ended up meeting with a a few different venture funds that actually would take our meeting and kind of take us to the next round because we got literally hundreds of no's. We eventually met a company called Homebrew Ventures in California, and we had an amazing meeting with them in person. And... We're able to get a term sheet for an investment. Uh, I still remember we closed in the end of October in 2013, and we took ourselves to get a haircut, a fancy haircut, as our way to celebrate and sat in the hairdresser's chairs next to each other, watching the money wire in and took a picture of it, which I still have on my phone, because it was the first time we'd ever seen a sum like that in our bank account and uh, it was really the first moment where we are like okay now we can actually go build a team and we can actually really go do this uh, so for those who are listening uh, we hope that you have that moment too and uh, really excited to continue talking to you from the couch thanks again to Jill for calling in we love hearing from you guys so please call us at 646-461-6370 I'll say it again 646 646- and leave us a voicemail very old school style to get a chance to be featured in an upcoming episode our next topic is about how to make a career change it's going to be a good one and we can't wait to hear from you